Hello, college basketball fans. This is Evan Kaufman back with College Basketball Breakdown. We have had a lot of transfers. Still no news on Hunter Dickinson, the number one transfer in the portal. We have had a lot of high-quality transfers that have made their way to new schools ever since uh, ever since our last episode. So, we got a great episode planned for today. We're going to be talking about the impact transfers in both the SEC, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga made a huge splash signing, a, a getting Graham E.K. and Ryan Nimhard from the transfer portal. They are reloading in a big way after that departure of Drew Tammy, Julian Strother, almost all of their productive pieces from last year. Mark Few cannot stand mediocrity. He headed into the transfer portal and got new impact players. We will discuss that later. Uh, Tennessee has recent developments of Santiago Vescovi coming back. Uh, Josiah Jordan James and Julian Phillips entering the NBA draft process. Along with two more impact transfers, Chris Ludlam and Dalton Next, we will get to that as well. Alabama wins big with Aaron Estrada. Aaron Estrada went to Alabama. He was projected to go to Alabama. We'll talk about him. Auburn and Kansas both have people in and people people coming in, people coming out. Uh, <coughs> talk about that. We'll talk about the Kentucky drama. They have a bunch of people going out as of recent. Also discuss a little Hunter Dickinson, who's about to take his visit. And finally, rounding out with the Harrison Ingram transfer to North Carolina. That is, that's a that's a win for North Carolina, but we'll get to that as well. All right, let's jump right in. Starting in the SEC, we're going to talk about Tennessee first. As I said, Santiago Vescovi made a post on Instagram that he is back for his fifth year. He's had a pretty wild career. He came in in the middle of the season. Lamonte Turner got hurt. They were going to redshirt him. They brought him in middle of the season around December, January. Lamonte Turner's shoulder injury, he was out for the season. And they were in desperate need of a point guard. So Rick Barnes said he... Said he'd play Vescovy right away, and he did. Had 17 points in his first outing, and he has not looked back since. In the last two seasons, he has he's a two-time All SEC player. Uh, he's a he's his defensive game has made in, in an unbelievable improvement. You can't play for Rick Barnes without playing some defense. And he is easily the best shooter on Tennessee. He's been the best shooter on Tennessee year in, year out. Um, So him coming back for next year is a great, great sign for how UT's season is going to go. Amazing news for the Vols. Uh, Some not not so amazing news as in terms of next year's success. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James, senior, former five-star from South Carolina, and Julian Phillips, freshman five-star, are entering the NBA draft process. So they could come back, they could not. Uh, I think uh, Julian Phillips is projected to go in this year's draft, so I would assume that he is not coming back. Uh, Josiah Jordan-James, however, that is up in the air. I've seen him projected second round in some mock drafts, but also we're just going to have to see on that one. I know he loves Tennessee with all of his heart. He would come back and play with Santee for Rick Barnes for another year and uh, try to bump up his draft stock a little bit possibly. However, there are two impact transfers coming in for the Vols. The first one who committed a few days ago, Chris Ledlam, a 6'6", 225 grad transfer from Harvard. He's graduated Harvard already, coming down to Tennessee. That I, That's going to be somewhat of a transitioning period just from Boston to Tennessee, you would think. Very, very different societies. 
Uh, anyway, basketball, basketball is a universal language. That's not gonna change. He averaged 19 points, nine rebounds, two assists, one block, and two steals at the forward position. A six foot six forward, good size. He's, he absolutely filled up the stat sheet just looking at these averages right here. 19, 9, 2, 1, and 2 steals from the forward position is two steals from the forward position along with a block. He, he's gonna, the hole that Olivier Comwell left, he is going to fill maybe even better. I have a hard time believing he could be as athletic as Comwell, but still, that is going to help the Vols. And uh, another player that's also going to help the Vols, another 6'6 grad transfer, Dalton Necht from Northern Colorado, 6'6", as I said. Uh, he averaged 20 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists at a near 40% clip from 3. 6'6", he's a guard, great positional size. Uh, just looking at this from the perspective of Santiago coming back, uh, him and Santiago in a backcourt would be a scary sight for SEC teams and the shooting that Rick Barnes so desperately wants and needed on the team last year that sometimes Santi was able to provide for him, sometimes he wasn't, sometimes JJJ would be there, but that, to get a consistent, a tall, consistent shooter that rebounds the ball, I assume that he would play defense as well because Rick Barnes is not going to bring anybody in who is not going to play defense. And that's that's just an immediate bolstering of a lineup that may have been in jeopardy. They were returning uh, Adu and Zakai Ziegler, who just tore his ACL. Uh, I assume he'll be back for the beginning of next season. We don't know if he'll ever be the same. Uh, ACL injuries have a tendency to zap the life out of uh, that quick first step that some people have and some athletes have. Zakai Ziegler was that quick first step, just embodied in an athlete. He he was so fast. Hopefully his uh hopefully his ACL injury does not hamper that speed in any way uh so they were tun they were turning Adu and Ziegler just off the top of my head what I'm thinking about who they're returning they were returning some red shirts as well from this team and uh prospects that they're bringing in headlined by six foot ten center four star JP Estrella, Estrella, however you say that, he, with a team that is kind of thin on bigs at the moment, he's going to come in probably off the bench. He probably won't start over Adu, at least at the beginning, although Adu has come off the bench for most of his career. Uh, he, six foot ten, he can shoot it. He can shoot the lights out. He's going to make an immediate impact on this team. And this team, with these transfers, is might i wouldn't say top 10 yet they def their ranking their way too early ranking has definitely gone up all right let's transition to another sec team the alabama crimson tide they picked up aaron estrada yesterday a six foot three grad transfer he absolutely fills up the stat sheet averaging 20 points five rebounds and four assists on 48% from the field, 37 from three, and 81 from the free throw line. He is a two-time Colonial Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Two-time. Past two years. Two years in a row. He is also well-traveled. He started his basketball career at St. Peter's, then went to Oregon for the 2021 season before eventually departing for Hostra. And that's where he was now. And now he's going to his fourth college 
with Nate Oates and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, this is a great pickup for Alabama, obviously, just because of the prowess of how good Aaron Estrada seems to be. You don't you don't win the two-time CAA Player of the Year, and, and you're not good. It, it, it doesn't happen, obviously. And he has a lot of D1 experience in a lot of different conferences, although the SEC is a different animal than the CAA and whatever league St. Peter's is in, and even the Pac-12, but he seems to be ready for it. And this is great, not only because of the player that he is, but also because of a lot of that Alabama roster is in limbo currently. Uh, Namari Burnett is already gone. Clowney, Brandon Miller, they're gone. But uh, Quinterly, Sears and Bediaco are all exploring the draft process. But if they come back, we could possibly see this lineup for the Crimson Tide next year. Also, Estrada is good because uh, even though he's 6'3", he could play 1 through 3. He'd be a small, small forward if you needed him to. He gets 5 rebounds a game and dishes the rock very well. While shooting the 3 ball, He's he just seems to be an all-around great player, as I've tried to drill home in this small segment. But if things go favorably for the Tide, I don't see... see Sears Quinterly or Bediaco getting drafted. We could see them roll out this lineup next year. Uh, a little undersized at the guards, but uh, we could see Mark Sears at the one, Javon Quinterly at the two, Estrada at the three, Pringle at the four, who was, he rem he reminds me a lot of Clowney. Pringle and Clowney are, they have like almost the same body type, although Clowney is more skilled, but there's no doubt that Pringle could get there with one one more year, two more years maybe. He he has he has potential. And then Bediaco at the center. This team looks like a team that could, led by veterans Sears, Quinterly, and Estrada, it's a very experienced lineup. Bediaco be a junior next year, an amazing defender, shot blocker. Sears is a pretty consistent scorer. Estrada's a scorer. Quinterly can light it up at the drop of a hat. So with Alabama, they seem to be primed to have another deep tournament run. Well, m maybe deeper than this year. They seem to be primed to have another SEC title. Their hopes for that are high. Now let's go to their in-state rivals, the Auburn Tigers. Uh, some news on them. Johan Treor, apologize if I said his name wrong, transfers to University of California, Santa Barbara. Treor joins the Gauchos at UCSB. He was a freshman this year, former five-star, six foot ten. Uh, he only appeared in 25 games for the Tigers. He averaged 2.1 points and 2.4 rebounds in those 25 games for a five-star that is underperforming, obviously. And he had to get out of the SEC and go to something a little, little more his speed, maybe use them as a stepping stone to try to get back in the SEC after he has developed a little bit. But I like the UCSB destination. He was pursued by other SEC teams and higher Power 5 teams such as Alabama, LSU, Arizona State, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma, along with UCSB. Those were his top choices of destination, yet he chose the Gauchos. Auburn also roped in a D2 transfer from the University of Alabama Huntsville. This is interesting. You don't you don't see you don't see D2 prospects go to SEC schools very often. However, this kid is an interesting story. He grew four inches while at UAH, while he got to college and then grew four more inches. 
Uh, no doubt the jump from the from the D2 level to SEC will be a huge one. Maybe he, he's, okay, he's 6'7 now, averaged 16 points on 51% shooting, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal. Now, those, tra- those numbers definitely won't, I don't want to say definitely, they most likely will not transfer that smoothly to the SEC, considering SEC and D2 competition are a little bit different. As I said, that jump is going to be a huge one. He might still be getting used to his size. Going from 6'3 to 6'7 has to be a little disorienting at the least. So that's going to be interesting. Is he going to be an end of the bench player? Is he going to be a role player? I don't see him being a star player, but we could come back in about a year and he could be doing, he could be in the NBA draft. You never know with college basketball. So we're just going to have to see where that goes. That's that's an intriguing prospect right there. All of this is after landing Florida International standout Denver Jones. Denver Jones was a six foot four sophomore at Florida International. He averaged 20 points, four rebounds, two assists, and two steals. So he's a great scorer along with being a great defender. He will be a junior next year. Six foot four, good positional size for a guard. Auburn's rebuilding. They did have Quincy Oliveri on their wish list. He went to Xavier, sadly, for them. But they seem to be building this roster just fine anyway with Denver Jones and the the exciting prospect of how uh, how well the D2 transfer Chaney Johnson will be. Keeping it in the SEC, let's head over to Kentucky. Kentucky had a few players depart for the transfer portal in hopes of a better situ- situation since the last time we've been on this podcast. Six foot nine, Damian Collins has entered the transfer portal for Kentucky. Uber athletic forward. He could go help someone out. He has not committed anywhere yet. Along with him, senior Travis Frederick, six foot three, grad transfer, has also transferred out. He had he was struggling a little bit this year. He was playing with broken ribs or near broken ribs for a lot of the season, and some Kentucky fans were questioning why he was even playing if he was that injured he didn't he wasn't putting up numbers or even helping the team that much but Cal was still putting him on the floor and anyway he's he's out of there uh probably due to the insane incoming freshman class that Kentucky has four five stars and a four star the number one recruit DJ Wagner along with number two recruit Justin Edwards, number five recruit Aaron Bradshaw, who was a seven-footer that could be played at small forward. Cal has toyed with the idea of him playing at small forward, assuming if they had Hunter Dickinson and Shibway, you play Shibway at power forward, you play Dickinson at center, and then unheard of positional size for Aaron Bradshaw at seven foot at small forward. That would be one scary lineup. If that team backs into a zone, you're not you're not getting a shot off unless you shoot threes. You have to have a very good shooting team for that. And along with those guys, they have five star number 10 ranked Rob Dillingham and rounding out their five incoming freshman number 33 recruit four-star reed shepherd so they're you never know with freshman talents they're extremely unpredictable sometimes they're really good like anthony black grady dick keontae george was pretty good this year for most of the year but if you have more more five-star talents there's a much higher chance that one of them is going to pan out well obviously Let's transition from the five stars to Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson has a Kentucky visit scheduled for April 23rd through 25th. Originally, he was not going to take a visit since he'd already been to Lexington before. He didn't feel like he'd need a visit. But Cal personally came to him. They talked at an airport for hours talked about everything. They apparently had a good enough time for Hunter Dickinson to want to come down and take a visit. Kentucky are the front runners currently for Dickinson, along with Maryland, Georgetown, 
and Kansas, who he was finishing up a visit with this week. Uh, only time will tell where Hunter Dickinson goes. But right now, it's seeming that it's either going to be... It's it's going to be Kentucky, Kansas, Maryland, or Georgetown. Personally, as a Tennessee fan, I would like to see him not come to the SEC so we wouldn't have to deal with him. But we'll see. He's going to do what's best for him. Might be a little bit of, little bit of a bidding war because he's the number one transfer right now and he's going to want... He's going to want as much NIL as he can possibly get, obviously, as anybody would. All right, let's switch conferences from the SEC to the WCC, where Ryan Nimhard and Graham E.K. have committed to Gonzaga. Ryan Nimhard following in his brother's footsteps. Andrew Nimhard, he played at Gonzaga. He's carrying on the legacy of the family. Andrew was a very, very good player. Got drafted to the Pacers. Played so well that he got drafted in the NBA. That is what Ryan is hoping to do. Ryan is a former Big East Freshman of the Year. Had a solid career at Creighton. Although they've already replaced him with somebody debatably better than him. So, that, as, as I said in the last episode, that's why I have Creighton at number two in my way-too-early top ten. But, as I was saying, he's the former Big East Freshman of the Year. Last year, his sophomore season, he averaged 12 points, 4 rebounds, and 5 assists. So, he's he fills it up at the guard, at the point guard position. Good passer, good scorer when he needs to be. Personally, I thought that he would go... Personally, I thought that he would go to Arizona with Tommy Lloyd because Tommy was recruiting him pretty hard and his brother. But he picked the Zags over UCF and Bama and will be teaming up with Graham E.K. Graham E.K. is an extremely... E.K. is an enthralling prospect. The six foot nine junior did not play this year due to a lower right leg injury. Had to be a pretty serious lower right leg injury for him to be out the whole year. But before the season, he was indeed, back in the fall, he was projected the preseason Mountain West Player of the Year. Mostly due to his numbers in the 21-22 season, where he averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds a game on 51% shooting. This is an unbelievable pickup for the Zags. Teaming these two together, uh, they're trying to get, they're trying to transition. This is offering a great transition, actually, from the Drew Timmy period to whatever the Zags whatever period the Zags are going to go into next. Maybe led by Ryan Nimhard and Graham E.K.? Uh, I feel like E.K., I think E.K. will develop even more than he already was at Wyoming. Mark Few has a history of cultivating great talent at the big position from many years at Gonzaga. Like Drew Timmy, really, he's the Gonzaga legend. He's one of the best college basketball players of all time, leading scorer in Gonzaga history. Gonzaga's no slouch of a D1 college basketball program. But after the departure of him and most likely Strother, the Zags are doing an unbelievable job of reloading with these two players. They lost more than just Timmy and Strother. They lost Razier Bolton, along with Dominic Harris, Hunter Salas, and Efton Reed, and Strother declared for the draft. So they have a they have a, a huge rebuilding project in front of them. Or not re- really rebuilding, reloading. Uh, so Ryan Nimhard and Graham E.K. are an incredible start to that. Along with, they sneakily added the Big Sky Player of the Year from Eastern Washington, Steel Venters. So Mark Few is getting Mark Few is getting the transfer portal, getting people to commit to Gonzaga. Earliest indications of this team are they are not done in the transfer portal. They will be dangerous, and they have the number seventeen overall recruiting class 
with four-star Dusty Stromer leading that, who is a 6'6 small forward from California. Let's head over to Lawrence, Kansas with Bill Self. Uh, they've had two major developments since the last time I recorded. One is MJ Rice, who transferred out and committed to NC State. Uh, let's talk about MJ for a second. He's a former five-star who has a lot of potential. He is extremely athletic, but he underperformed, especially due to the fact that he had a five-star label on him. He was expected to come in with Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson leading and contribute. And he, yeah, he was injured a little bit, but but MJ just underperformed. He, as I said, he has a lot of potential. And his time at NC State is going to be all about opportunity. This is a great opportunity. Great opportunity to go redeem himself at still an ACC Power 5 program. NC State has a top 5 transferring transferring class coming in next year. And this is a great opportunity for MJ because... Uh, he's extremely versatile. He can be played from two th- the two position through four, and he can be effective anywhere, in theory, if he d- keeps developing as the potential that we're seeing, if that is realized. Uh, this is, again, a great opportunity because this NC State team had forwards like Greg Gant and Jack Clark leave for the transfer portal. This is a team in NC State that does not have many forwards, and MJ can come in, play, be versatile, play two for the four, extremely athletic, just develop here. Great opportunity. Also, Kansas signed Nick Timberlake, got him through the transfer portal. Nick Timberlake is a great fit for Kansas. Somewhat of a Grady Dick build, a Grady Dick uh, replacement, maybe. Possibly even better. He is the best catch-and-shoot shooter in the transfer portal. He shined at Townsend, shooting 43% from three. Compared to Grady Dick, Grady Dick only shot 40%, which is still incredible, which is why he's going to be a lottery pick and going to the draft. But Nick Timberlake is probably the next best thing you can get. 43% from three, and shooters is really what Kansas needed. Some absolute knockdown shooters. Shooting. They had Grady Dick. Team started to key on, key in on him, not let him get shots, and that was one of the problems with them. And Arkansas, who beat them in the second round, having about zero dependable shooters. But Kansas only really had two dependable shooters. Grady Dick and Jalen Wilson was sometimes dependable. Uh, they did lose the Arkansas team, who was notorious for horrible shooting. But this is a great. This addresses problems that got Kansas knocked out last year. Need some shooting? Go get the best shooter in the transfer portal. Also, as I've said already, I said earlier, Kansas are front runners along with Kentucky for Hunter Dickinson. Hunter Dickinson would bring this. Bill Self is targeting aspects of the team that they need. They need a post presence. No knock on KJ Adams, but he's he's a great forward. He's just very short. And Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson down low, holding it down, having the offense, having him as the rock of the offense, especially with shooters around him like Timberlake, and no doubt an impressive tres- impressive incoming freshman class. Uh, if they could sign Dickinson, this would complete a picture-perfect offseason for Bill Self, who wasn't able to coach at the end of the year because of heart issues. Hopefully, all indications are he is not retiring and he will be back for the start of next season. All right, one of the last topics we are going to get to today is the Harrison Ingram transfer. Harrison Ingram, 6'7 sophomore from Stanford, is transferring into UNC. After adding Cormac Ryan from in, from Notre Dame the other day, UNC got their marquee transfer early on Saturday. As I've already said, Harrison Ingram, he averaged 10.5 points, six boards, and four assists. Great passer from the forward position. Another former five-star that is somewhat underperformed. 
Obviously not to the MJ Rice level. He had a solid season this year at Stanford, but he is ready to tap into his potential even more. He is ready to make a huge jump, and UNC is a much better place to attempt that huge jump than Stanford. Stanford is just a disaster of a basketball program recently. However, he did win Pac-12 Freshman of the Year in 20 in 2021-2022. It, it's good for him to get out of that situation. Two years at Stanford, it's, it's good for him to get out of that situation and go to a basketball blue blood who did also underperform last year but not to the level of a Stanford who went 14 and 19 7 and 3 in the conference it's good for him to get out of there and go to Hubert Davis's squad who is reloading as well UNC was one of the first schools to reach out to Ingram when he was a five-star. Roy Williams was one of the first coaches that originally recruited him. So as soon as he hit the transfer portal, UNC was all over him. UNC was on his radar. This is a good fit for the Tar Heels, I believe, for if no other reason than how good he is at passing the ball at the forward position. He was a former point guard in the circuits of AAU and high school, and you can see that in the way he plays. He gets about four assists. He got about four assists a game last year great you don't see you don't see forwards getting that many assists a game usually he's going to be an integral part in scoring as well but even if he can't do that he is going to be able to get the ball to some of college basketball's best players like rj davis and armando baycott he is however going to need to improve his shooting efficiency he's shot 40 percent from the field 32 percent from three and 60 percent from the free throw line so obviously he's got the body he's got the athleticism he needs to he needs to upgrade the efficiency he's got the playmaking though he's got potential that's why he's such a highly touted recruit or transfer only time will tell but overall at this point it's looking like a good pickup at the very least a solid pickup for unc he ever since getting in the transfer portal he'd always been top 10 one of the top transfer portals it's good that unc got him good for the tar heels other notable transfers this week include Devin Cambridge, who is a grad transfer from Arizona State. He played a few years at Auburn before transferring to Arizona State this year. Did pretty well there and is now transferring to Oregon, going to some Pac-12 rivals over there. Uh, another notable transfer, Avery Anderson III, going from Oklahoma State to TCU. This adds another talent to an already outstanding transfer class for TCU. Yet another interesting transfer prospect from Georgia, Corey Aquin. He's an uber-athletic six-foot-four junior who is now transferring, along with Devin Cambridge, to Oregon, getting some athleticism over at Oregon. That's going to help him. Always helps to have athleticism in basketball. And that does it for the transfers, the notable transfers that have been committing since the last episode. And on today's episode, we're going to do something new. We're going to start a series. This is going to be the mock, the NBA Mock Draft 1.0. I am going to be using the website fanspo.com to do a first round NBA draft simulation. This is going to be the first round I'm going to be picking for all teams. This is going to be what I think each team needs and should draft at this very moment in time. So let's go. First pick on the clock, the Detroit Pistons. It's the first few picks are just not are just non-negotiable. The Pistons need pretty much every position. Yeah, they have Cade Cunningham, and then they need pretty much every other position. But you cannot pass on a generational talent like Victor Wimbanyama, as we are hearing. So Victor Wimbanyama is going first. No surprises there. The Rockets. They need point guard, power forward, or center. And Scoot Henderson provides just that. He is a point guard, 6'2 point guard, insanely athletic. I think another team might think about 
like a team with a better point guard might think about passing on Scoot, getting Brandon Miller, get some scoring. Scoot, the only knock on Scoot so far that I've seen is that he is not the greatest shooter. Hopefully he can develop that in the NBA. But with Jabari Smith Jr. already on the Rockets, they want to develop him. Having Brandon Miller throwing him in there is a little a little crowded in the small forward room, and Scoot Henderson is a perfectly fine second pick for them. On the clock with the third pick is the San Antonio Spurs. For the Spurs here, for the Spurs here, they already have small forward in Keldon Johnson. He's almost their only bright spot, actually. I like a Min Thompson here. I like I like a Min having a six seven point guard positional size to just come and handle the ball, see over the defense. He's extremely athletic. He can shoot some. I like him at three. The fourth pick in the 2023 NBA draft goes to the Charlotte Hornets. And you have to... Brandon Miller is still on the board at three. You have to take Brandon Miller. No brainer. Uh, The fifth pick goes to the Portland Trailblazers, who really need a power forward. Their starting power forward currently is Jeremy Grant, who is injured most of the time, and is also an unrestricted free agent this year. So, at five, I like Jairus Walker. Sixth pick goes to the Magic. For the Magic, I like a small forward. They They don't really have a small forward on the team right now. They have Franz Wagner. I think Cam Whitmore, I like Cam Whitmore here, personally, 6'7", 232. The seventh pick goes to the Pacers, who need a point guard pretty bad. Their starting point guard currently is TJ McConnell. I love Anthony Black here. Anthony Black is a 6'7 point guard. Talk about positional size a lot. Amazing positional size. Young, athletic. And he played on an Arkansas team that did not space the floor at all. The floor is much more spaced in the NBA. And he'll be able to play alongside great players like Halliburton, Benedict Matherin. I like AB at number seven. At number eight for Washington, uh, Azar Thompson is still on the board. I like Azar Thompson here. The, although they need a point guard, the there aren't that many point guards available at this point. You could get Nick Smith Jr., Kaysen Wallace, maybe Keontae George, but I like Azar Thompson. Supreme athleticism, great defense, the defensive skills. You can play him two through four. I like him playing alongside Bradley Beal and Christoph Porzingis, Kyle Kuzma. I like Azar Thompson here, especially if he's still on the board this late. I just hadn't really seen a team that needed his talents yet. At number nine, we have the Utah Jazz, who desperately need a point guard. They've got shooting guards for days. Colin Sexton's a point guard, but he's better at the shooting guard. They really they really just need a point guard. They're going to be set at the power forward position for a while. Lowry Markinen, all-star, turning into a great, great player. I think you go with the upside pick here. I think you pick Nick Smith Jr. He can come in at point guard, shooting guard, whatever you need him to be. He is going to be a pure scorer in the NBA. He showed that a little bit at Arkansas when he wasn't injured. I think you go with the upside pick here. I'd pick Nick Smith. Very interesting pick here. 10th pick, the Dallas Mavs. What they need is a big man. They need a big man bad. Dwight Powell is their starting center. And the closest thing to a big man we have on the board right now is Taylor Hendricks, who is ex- extremely athletic. Six foot nine from UCF. Young freshman. 210. I, I like Taylor Hendricks with this pick. Here come the Magic, who got this pick by Chicago's 2023 first round pick trade. Magic again. Got Cam Whitmore the first, first round. And Cason Wallace is still available at this point, and they need a point guard pretty bad. They have Markel Fultz, 
who is, seems to just be always injured. I like Cason Wallace with this pick. I'm going back and forth between him and Jalen Hutrafino, but I like Cason Wallace with this pick. The Oklahoma City Thunder. They have amazing talent coming up. They're all extremely young. They've got Shea leading the charge. Chet Holmgren, we have yet to see what he can do. Josh Giddy, what a talent. And they have all of this talent right here, ready for the taking. And I... I like Jordan Hawkins with this pick. Six foot five shooting guard from UConn, averaged 16, one, and four rebounds. As we all saw in the tournament, amazing shot maker. Even when he's throwing up, he's an amazing shot maker. Throwing up as in stomach sickness, not throwing up shots. But he supreme talent. I like I like Jordan Hawkins on the Thunder. And this pick is really a no-brainer. The Raptors, they need a shooting guard. Grady Dick's still on the board. Grady Dick, what a shooter. Six foot seven shooting guard. We'll draft him. Thank you very much. At 14, we have the Pelicans, who are in need of a point guard. Who is their starting point guard? The Dyson Daniels is the first point guard. Dyson Daniels, Kira Lewis Jr. are sharing the point guard role. And six foot five, Jalen Hood Shafino from Indiana is available, so that's also a no-brainer. 15th pick belongs to the Atlanta Hawks in this specific simulation. They're really fine at most positions. They have Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, John Collins, Clint Capella. There's a reason they're in the playoffs. Uh, some young talent like Onyeka Kongwu, Sadiq Bey was traded there this year. Their guard room is pretty good. You got Trey and DeJounte. You could draft somebody who's going to come off the bench and get buckets, and I think that that person is Keontae George, who is still on the clock currently. So I like him there. And the 16th pick goes to the Jazz again, who got Nick Smith in the first round. So you could, they are going to shift their focus, and I see Noah Clowney still available here. Uh, athletic 6'10 shooter at the power forward? Sign me up for the Jazz. I like Clowney at 16. 17th pick, LeBron James Lakers. And I personally, I like Jet Howard here. The Lakers don't really have a shooting guard. They don't really have a shooting guard that can... Yeah, and Jet Howard has great positional size again at six foot eight, And he is a good scorer. 14 a game, two assists, three rebounds. He can develop in the Lakers organization. I like six foot eight at shooting guard. I draft him there. 18th pick goes to the Heat. The Heat, Kyle Lowry's getting old, and they're going to need a point guard pretty soon. Victor Oladipo is hurt. They they need a guard. Point guard, shooting guard. Looking at Ryan Rupert here. Although Ryan Rupert is still available, I like Leonard Miller from Canada, a 6'10 small forward prospect, who they could move to the power forward to play alongside Bam and Jimmy, Tyler Hero. They do need a guard, but I like Leonard Miller here. Next pick is the Warriors. The 19th pick goes to the Warriors. They have a pretty solid starting lineup. The only dark spot I would see is Kevon Looney. And they have very... Their tallest player is about 6'10", Kevon Looney. I like them drafting a big man here. They still got Curry, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond for however long they want to play. I like the Derek Lively pickup here. 7'2", defensive-minded center. Here are the Rockets again with the 20th pick. Uh, at this point, you probably just take... Ryan Rupert's still available. And you're starting shooting guard currently is Josh Christopher, so I'd take Ryan Rupert here. 
Next on the clock are the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are in desperate need of a shooting guard. They're in desperate need of a lot of things. If Ben Simmons ever comes back, he could be the one. Drew Smith is at the two. Mikael Bridges at the three. I like Bryce Sensabaugh here. He could play shooting guard or small forward at 6'5". Great score at 16 points a game. Five boards. I like Bryce Sensabaugh at number 21. 22nd, back-to-back Nets picks. Here, you probably want somebody to back up Nick Claxton. And James Nanaji is available. Six foot ten, center from Nigeria. Rated number 24 in the ESPN Big Board. This is not a bad pick here. I'd pick James Nanaji. Trailblazers are back up. They got Jairus Walker with the fifth pick. This is the 23rd pick. And they need small forward, power forward. They did draft Jar- Jairus Walker. I like Chris Murray here. You could move him to the small forward. Great scorer and rebounder. 20 points, 8 rebounds a game, following in his brother's footsteps. Gonna come to the league, I like him, at 23 to the Trailblazers. Team that's been tearing up the NBA, number 3 seed in the West, the Kings. They are in need of a small forward or center. At this pick, I like Blyo Kubeli from France. 6'7", small forward. I like that pick there. At 25, we have the Grizzlies. These teams are progressively getting better with less holes in their lineup to patch. I think the Grizzlies could have Brandon Clark back next year, Steven Adams. So at this point, I think you take an upside player. They're an extremely young team. And uh, Dylan Brooks might be leaving. I I like the upside pick here. I would go Derek Whitehead, shooting guard at 6'7", to back up Desmond Bain, or even maybe pass Desmond Bain in the depth chart. Back with the Pacers, they had Anthony Black at number 7, and they are back on the clock at number 26. I think you go with an upside pick here as well. Uh, Gigi Jackson is still on the board. He's available. Great size at six foot nine. He's a good scorer. He can shoot the three. And the Pacers' starting power forward was that they are in need of a power forward. Let's just say that. At pick 27, the Charlotte Hornets are back up on the clock. They got Brandon Miller with the first pick. And at this point, if Kobe Bufkin is still available, I would take him. That's a no-brainer. 21st-rated prospect by ESPN, 6'4-point guard. And the Hornets do have LaMelo Ball, but they can put someone behind him. I, I just like taking the best player off the board at that point. At the 28th pick, we have the Jazz again. Uh, their starting small forward at the moment is Rudy Gay, so... I like Maxwell Lewis at the small forward position for them. Six foot seven, averaged 17, three assists, six rebounds last year. Long wingspan, good score. Sophomore, only 20 years old. I like Maxwell Lewis at 28. With the 29th pick, it's the Pacers again. Drafted Anthony Black and Gigi Jackson. Here, those two, Anthony Black's a pretty solid pick. Gregory Jackson's a little, little bit of an upside pick. They have enough guards... And they have Miles Turner, Benedict Matherin. I like I like Andre Jackson here. As a player, you can just come off the bench and he's he's a very efficient player. He ever he only only averaged seven points, but had five assists and six rebounds. He's a good hustle guy. He's a good guy that'll get in there, do the dirty work, do whatever the team needs to win. Sort of reminiscent of Draymond at shooting guard, and I think his upside is definitely he's got hefty upside if he can 
score a little more, shoot a little better. But he's 21 years old. I like I like Andre Jackson here. Rounding out the first round, we have the Clippers with 30th pick. Now, their two stars are usually always injured. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is currently injured right now in the their do-or-die first-round series where they're losing now 3-1 to to the Suns. Uh, they have Eric Gordon at shooting guard, starting at shooting guard. Nick Batum at shooting guard. I like Turquavion Smith here. He was absolutely tearing up. The ACC this year from NC State averaging 18 points a game, four assists, and four rebounds. I like him at point guard, shooting guard, a little combo guard action right here. 6'4", only 165 pounds. So he could afford to beef up a little bit. However, he is an amazing scorer. Had 32 points in the first round and almost knocked out an Elite Eight team, Creighton. Uh, he almost um, single-handedly almost knocked them out in the first round with 30-plus points. So I like him going to the Clippers at 30. There we have it. That's our first mock draft. We will be back with more. I can do more research. and But I, I, like, I like this initial mock draft. Uh, while I have been recording this podcast, there have been a few transfers, a few high-quality transfers that have transferred just in the recording of this. I've been going for almost an hour now on the raw recording. But one of the teams is another one that we spoke of earlier, just adding even more talent. Alabama, they add Latro Wrightsell Jr. from the transfer portal. He averaged, he posted on his Twitter with the caption, Roll Tide, hashtag committed, picture of him and Nate Oates, a nice edit from Tipton Edits. Wrightsell averaged 16.3 points a game, 4.5 rebounds and 2 assists, shooting 38% from 3, 43% from the field, first team all Big West. Another great pickup for Alabama. And during the recording of this podcast, Kobe Brown has declared for the NBA draft. Missouri standout. Huge power forward. He can shoot the three. He dunks on people. Obviously not projected in the first round anywhere. He is maintaining his college eligibility. So he can return to Missouri, who are loading up on transfers as well. Anyway, we have reached the end of episode two. If you've made it this far, thank you for listening. We will be back sometime this week with more transfers, maybe even Hunter Dickinson. Who knows? But thank you for listening. It's a pleasure doing this. College Basketball Breakdown out. See you next time.